see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got yeah, guy. Yeah, freaking guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome. It is spit, and we're spitballing. We're yeah, guying right at you here. And it's Wednesday, June 6th, 2021. Good morning, David. Holy crap. Did you literally look like you just rolled out of bed? You always say that. You don't realize. No, 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 no. This is this is like the epitome of David Scales rat nest hair right here. My hair um, is far from a rat's nest. It is as clean as ever. And the reality is that's all I have to do. I just run my fingers through it. Even when I leave the house for the day, that's all that I do. I do not comb it. I do not wash it. And so right now you saw it pre-finger running and then you just saw me run it. And look at how much better does it look now? Oh it's fixed. <laughs> what is your significant other? I know she's bought, she's had to have bought into this whole thing or, or we'd have washed hair by now. She doesn't, she didn't have to buy into anything when she was initially attracted to me because of my beautiful lustrous hair. And so <laughs> And that was the selling point. So when I told her I don't wash it, she was a little confused, but you know, that's what, that's what uh, hooked her in the first place. So how could she even argue? How could she argue with her own lust? Will you be washing the baby's hair? Yeah, I probably will. Oh my God. What's the deal guy? Come on. I'm committed. Guy. Yeah, guy. I'm I'm committed to the cause, but not that heavily, you know, like not, not for other people. I don't promote that other people live my same lifestyle. I just tell you what works for me and then you can make your own decision. All right. So the baby won't be a swinger. That's good. A swinger. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, we got a big show for you here and um, we should probably get right into it. I think so. All right. Well, First thing I want to mention is um, the electric acid surfboard test. Did I say that right? You did. Electric acid surfboard test. It's starring Mason Ho and Coco Ho. Tomorrow is the premiere of a five-part series. And um, we're always looking forward to these, these uh, features that staff puts out. They're a lot of fun. Premium features. I'm not sure if they're premium, though. I don't think you have to be a subscriber to get it. I think it's for everybody. And um, what are your thoughts on this? I have a few. I thought I'd listen to what you have to say about it. Have you watched the trailer? I've watched the trailer. I'm all in. I, I've always liked this series. And, of course, we've had um, critical feedback about ways that we – I've always enjoyed them. There were still just things that it's like, well, if they just kind of adjusted – this for the format it might yeah. uh, be a little more effective and they have and not necessarily based on our feedback but they've always kind of slightly improved it i think this looks like the best iteration of it i think um the having two surfers is really interesting i think that these are both very interesting surfers in and of themselves we've advocated that mason ho would be a great test pilot for this series in the past. So I love that they got him. I think it was really smart to get um, his sister Coco to join as well. And 
they're surprisingly articulate in their own ways. Like Mason isn't, um, I, I, he's not academic about his articulations about boards, but he is, he effectively communicates what he's feeling and he's wildly entertaining. And so I think he might actually be the ultimate test pilot for this sort of a thing. Okay. What you've said is fascinating. It kind of falls right in line with my hypercriticism. And I'm going to, I agree with you, what you've said initially, we love this and I do love this and I'm looking forward to it. And for the sake of this show or this little episode of the show, I want to bring some things up that I'm probably going to catch some flack for the, from the listeners for, but that's okay. And you have only spoken about who the surfers are. Your initial thing is these are the surfers. This is great. Two surfers. And, and you've said it's entertaining. And you know what it is? It's all of these things. It's, and I'm concerned that the electric surfboard acid test is too much about the surfers and the entertainment quality and not enough about the board builders and the boards themselves. And oh, by the way, I'm sure that's how they planned it. And that makes sense in many ways, as far as, you know, we want to be entertained and why wouldn't you choose these two people? And I'm going to suggest to you that it should be more about the boards and about the board builders. And this is leaning in a different direction. And it always has. And Look, Stab in the Dark has always been about the boards. When I watch Stab in the Dark, say with Mick or Jordy or whoever, you really set, get a sense that it's about the boards, you know, and cool. They've grabbed somebody that's totally worthy and we're excited that it's these, these, you know, ripping surfers and it should be for those boards. But this feels more like it's about the surfers and it's about the entertainment and it's about, and, and for sure, it's going to be a little bit about the boards, but um let me ask you this. I'm personally not in favor of two, two people. And it doesn't matter who the two people are. I'm okay with just Coco Ho and I'm okay with just Mason Ho. But I think two people, in a weird way, they've added a variable which might take away from this. So I think that it should just be one surfer. If it's about, now if it's about entertainment, I get it. It's two surfers. If it's about this fun let's just frolic with a bunch of different boards and go out, blah, 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 you know, but if it's really about the boards and the builders, let me throw some things at you. I know you're going to shoot this down, but that's okay. So for the sake of consistency, I'm propo I'm proposing, this might make you vomit a little bit. I'm proposing a three year run of the same exact surfer for the electric surfboard acid test why <clears throat> maybe you're still maybe should i reach over and slap <laughs> you a little bit do you, do you not well, hear I, what I'm saying? I think no do you i not do. hear what i'm saying because it you're needs to be the about the surfboards and the surfboard builders i i mean i'm i'm trying to i understand that premise i don't think that they've ever fallen short to deliver on that exact thing every single time they've done this they do really detailed um, 
uh, analysis of the boards itself, interviews with the shapers. The last time they did it, they actually did individual episodes with each shaper that came out after the entire thing. So there was kind of a follow-up series that did exactly what you're asking. So I think that- You don't think Two Surfers is going to model that effort? No, 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 no. And I honestly, I think that two surfers is actually a much better approach than one surfer because boards are so um, subjective and to get only one surfer on the quiver, there could be a magic board that they have three bad sessions on in a row and then they just poo poo the board and, you know, the board gets a bad rap because of it. Maybe the fourth, fourth session would have unlocked the magic in the board or a different surfer riding that has an entirely different experience. And they actually did something similar with the Stab in the Dark series where they did the Mm All-Stars. I think think it was Jordy, Dane, and Mick. And yeah, yeah, it was fascinating hearing all three surfers give their insights on the exact same board. They all felt differently about it. And I found that to be beneficial. Let me ask you this. You make valid points and um, you may be correct here. Um, And you know what? Again, let's sort of throw the overarching umbrella that we both love this thing and I'm looking forward to it. And we're just- Don't back off just, your criticisms. I'm not, I've got Dig another in. one. I've got okay. another one, but we're going to poke a little bit at this here. For the sake of drumming up interest, it starts tomorrow, by the way, Thursday, June 10th, episode one. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, what about this? I would like it to be someone who rides this type of equipment a lot. And I'm going to suggest to you a couple of people. What about Torin Martin, our very own Torin Martin, <laughs> which you I've never met. Own. I've never met. <laughs> but he's a mean the, inter- guy. <laughs> the internet's very own. I haven't yeah. seen a negative word said. Everybody At least you've him. met him. I've never met him. I stayed uh, at his mom's house. Oh, my God. You are all in. How about I got a better one, I think. Andy Neblis. I'd like to see one of these red hot longboarders be the guy. And I know he's not the name. And this is what this what is where my Alex criticism Nose? comes in. Uh, maybe I'm I'm kind of over Alex Nose personally. Like I'm not I, that he wouldn't be great, but I Alex Nose does to me, it's like I feel like he, you're at a vaudeville show or like he's putting on a, some sort of show or something. Like you never I never feel like that's really who Alex Nost is. Like, I think you know it really I mean? is. I think it really is. But I've also seen him do airs on a shortboard. Whereas Andy Neblis, I've only seen riding longboards in single fins. So I don't know that he. Yeah, can but do I mean, all we've seen is Coco Hose riding a tri fin that you know at Rocky Point or what? Like, that's my point. Like, it's a good anyway, point. I would like to see a surfer that has all these boards naturally in their quiver, like. You know, like if you look in my backyard, there's a bunch of, and there's a, there's, so there's a lot of guys like this that, that ride fishes, quads, no finge surfboards, longboards, both high performance, big loggy drag, you know, uh, fin draggers, you know, all of this stuff. And there's so many guys out there that rip. It's all happening. Actually, there's a, I, I was watching the Mex Log Fest on Instagram. They did a live stream where they've been putting up clips. It's been really good. Yeah, and super good surfing, and these types of surfers, I think, would be better for the electric acid surfboard test than maybe what I consider to be. And I'm not saying that I don't want to pigeonhole the Ho family, but they're more or less high performance Hawaiian three fin riders. I don't know that that's. I think Mason is falling more into the other category. Mason's been riding 
I mean, they're all mayhem's boards, obviously, but you know, the round, round nose fish and twin fins and some other things. Um, I don't think as many people have as diverse of quivers as you are talking about, because that's the thing with electric acid surfboard test is they're doing, they introduce holes, they introduce asymmetrical boards, they introduce all sorts of like a, a super wide range. And the surfers that you just named, none of them have that quiver. How do you, you know? know? How do you know that Andy Neblis doesn't have a hole? <laughs> I've never seen him ride one. I mean, I don't know that he doesn't own one, but we don't okay, see him riding Okay, but that's just them. an example. There, there's, uh, you know, like we could actually dig up a really good name. For so, this. no, you, would, you, would, well you would come up with three. You would come up with three names sure, and then sure. they have to, and then uh, Stab needs to consider a bunch of other factors. Who's entertaining? Okay, who, that's see, that's where the, it, wait, no, hold but they on, do. right there, because that's that's okay. Like, if this is for entertainment, I think they've done fine. Mason Ho and Coco Ho, they're going to be entertaining. Who cares about the boards and who cares about like? Let's just get two entertaining figures. And if we're getting entertaining figures, then they've killed it already. That's my point: is that it's not about the boards anymore. Well, look, I'm not saying they need to pick their criteria is based 100 percent on entertainment. I'm saying there's a five percent entertainment in the quotient, there's maybe 10% of the thing needs to be articulation, somebody who can communicate about the surfboards. <laughs> I would say 50, 50% or maybe 90, 80% needs to be um, surfing ability, like talent, you know? And so when you kind of fact, when you run that matrix or that calculus, Mason Ho, I think fits perfectly. He's got more talent than anybody else that you already named, I would argue. And then he's oh, no got doubt about that. And he's got he's got more entertainment than anybody else. And then he's also ridden enough of variety of surfboards to kind of meet that other mark that you're asking yeah. for. Again, so I'm I, being I hypercritical. I don't think the hose are a problem. I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm just I'm just trying to take this thing to I'm always about the board builders and the boards themselves. And to me, that's the most important thing. Um, that we excavate that, that we highlight that, that we lift those people up. Does Mason Ho really need any more clicks? Does he need any more? Like he's, he's a well, surf star. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, so, and, th and th so that makes sense from a marketing standpoint, like, yeah, let's get the most, you know, the, the most eyeballs we can get on our electric surfboard acid. I'm just saying that from an objectivity standpoint, I think it would be cool to get somebody that has, that, that is known as a multi-board rider, a, a, has a large quiver, and there's a, a lot of guys out there like that. And they might not be the name that that we want so that we can get a lot of clicks on our... On but our, do they surf as good as Mason, and do they communicate as effectively, you know? Because those are those are key details. Well, that's in an interesting well. thing. Like, like, how good did... No, first of all, there's like five people that, you know, there's not very many people that surf as good as Mason. Like, what's wrong with the common man who absolutely rips doing this? Like, do you really want to see Mason Ho do an aerial on a hull? I don't. He's not going to do an aerial on a hull. Well, that's my point. Like, you don't need a guy that does aerials. You're, I don't need... Like, a, no, I know. I'm not asking for an aerial. I'm just saying, uh, yeah, I want the most talented surfer to ride the thing and put it through its paces and then communicate back to us. I'm, I like, I also like your idea of the every man, but that's a totally different concept. You know, I think in terms of what they're trying to do, they're executing I, I, the you're, one so detail we haven't seen yet. Yeah, go ahead. 
is whether or not they will um, shine enough of a light on each of the surfers and based on their past, or I'm sorry, each of the uh, shapers yeah. and based on their past uh, performances with electric acid surfboard test and stab, they have. So they have a proven track record of doing that. Yes. And I think they would be doing that again in this one. I'm sure they will. I'm sure that the, the, the board builders, and again, um, I'm all for this. I'm excited to watch Mason Coco go. I'm just, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing some pre, I'm trying to get the, the masses as excited as David and I are about this. And so well, I'm just poking a few holes. I'm just seeing, you know, it's good for stab. It's good for, uh, for Ashton and for Sam and, and uh, Michael and all the people over there. To, it's good uh, for, it's good for us as well. I mean, I really think this is quality uh, educational and insightful entertainment and from what I have seen of, um, you know, they only released a very short amount of footage, yep. but I was watching Instagram while they were down there. Um, yeah. Each of the surfers and then some of the photographers as well, some of the behind the scenes stuff and watching Mason and Coco ride the variety of boards. They look like they're riding the boards appropriately. You know, like one of my big criticisms with Dane's version of this was when he got on the hull, he tried to rip the thing like it's a short board. And that's just not how that board's gonna be ridden. And that's the most extreme example, but he was doing it on the other boards too. Basically everything that he rode, he tried to rip it like it's a short board. When the boards aren't designed to go vert and they're not designed to be, um, he was just trying to fit these tight turning radiuses and the board wouldn't go. And he'd be like, oh, that board sucks. And so I didn't, I thought like those boards kind of were done a disservice to. And I also think like Dane might have been able to learn something from those boards, if I dare say that. Uh, whereas Mason, I felt like was just getting, he was really finding trim on the boards. He'd get up and just kind of like settle into the board and the board would go a certain way and he'd go with it that way. And he'd then take the high line or whatever it was. Yeah. And, um, and I only, again, I only got to see him ride a few of the boards and I didn't even know whose boards they were. You know, I think part of this is concealing the identity of the shaper, which is why you haven't seen a lot of limelight shined on those shapers yet. Um, but I, I think they're, I think they've set it up perfectly. Really? Perfectly. There's no perfectly. room for improvement. It's zero. Done. It this is, is as good as it's going to get. They'll never, I've be never even battle. seen it. And I give it an A plus. <laughs> Fair enough. I I'm looking forward to, you. and, uh, and I got to admit, um, I mean, let me ask you this. If they were like, hey, the new electric surfboard acid test is coming out. And what do they call it? Electric acid surfboard test. East. No, east. 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 Electric, yeah, electric acid, acid. surfboard yes, yes, test yes. is coming out and it's starring Andy Nebles. Would you be I'd be excited? less excited. I'd You'd be, be less, less excited. Yeah. But the reality is I, I am interested in Andy Nebles and I don't get to see him surf as often as I would like to. So yes, yeah. I would be excited for, for that, but less excited than I am to watch Mason. Yeah. What about, look, there's no doubt that both Mason and, and frankly, Coco is almost more of a draw for me than Mason. Um, what about, um, I mean, they've nailed it, right? Like it's hard to get better than Mason and Coco. Like I'm excited. We, this is going to be fun. But we talked about, about this a year yeah. ago, and we kind of tried we to like, out, We yeah. tried to outline who the best surfers would be for this. And I remember saying Mason Ho and Kelly Slater was who we landed on. Yeah, yeah, because mostly 
Kelly because he's Kelly and he communicates so well. And Mason because what Mason does well is he communicates on the board. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like his communication is done in through his surfing almost. You know what I mean? Because he, I think he is very open minded to. He understands. You know, like he do. He grew up with. I mean, frankly, Mason and Mason's family probably does have all of these boards in their garage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think where I don't think Kelly Slater has all these if he does he just looks at him he doesn't wax them (laughs) I don't think Mason does I don't think again these are kind of um these are outside the box and they're outside of tradition and I think Kelly's much more open to all of this stuff I mean I remember Kelly Slater talking about uh asymmetrical surfboards like I don't know 2010 or something at the U.S. Open when uh and talking about flat nose boards, you know, that Stu Kennedy was writing and stuff. So I think who Kelly's totally a, open to Who it. would be a guy that... Um, Ryan Birch. Birch is the guy. That's right. That's what we nailed last time. Birch is yeah. the guy. Yeah. That they need to nail down. The problem with that is that he's a surfboard builder. So it kind of goes against his... It's kind of better. Well, no, but I mean, from, from his viewpoint, he's like... He's like I mean, it is actually a win, but I could see it's how he'd be like, well, do I get to, to use my boards? But every time he could be like, well, I could make it better and then throw it away and get out the next and go, yeah, it works here. But you know what I do? I do this. <laughs> Just, that's that's what really would make it, it better. I hear what you're saying that he as a businessman might look at it as a conflict yeah. of interest, but it isn't. It's actually, right. it actually elevates him and right. gives him an opportunity to really educate for yeah, his own brand and advocate. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, so Birch, Birch but, but Birch, but is that. Birch as, um, uh, not, not even entertaining. Cause I think Birch is entertaining is Birch as communicative. Um, as Mason for a totally different way, probably, you know, um, you know, um, the thing about Mason, I think is that you're going to get, um, what we really want from this person, which is, um, uh, a filter that's not on, like a, the filter has been lifted off. Like Mason's right. just going to go, ah, oh, this fucking thing is a piece of shit. You know, whereas Ryan's kind enough and not that Mason's not kind, but I think Ryan would be way more uh, politically savvy about what he said. About which we it. don't, which we don't want to so be that's honest. True. That's true. Give me, and I, I actually disagree with you. I don't think, I think Mason's been around media long enough and he's uh, kind enough hearted to where he'll know exactly how to, Walk the say that he does yeah say he doesn't like something without being rude about it so who's the who's the guy so it's funny when i was sort of writing my commentary i kept thinking about Derek hind you know because he wrote those those um top 100s or no the 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 wct power or the rankings time, the power rankings the asp top 44 and you knew every year they did it and every year you look forward to it because you knew every year Derek was going to go and tell it like he sees it and very opinionated but with basis for every opinion and and so everyone was like cringing and enjoying and here comes Derek's thing and that's what I was thinking I'm like wouldn't it be good if and that's why I wrote what about three years in a row of the same surfer so that we could see how that surfer adapted to three different levels of boards three different years of different boards coming through and we know where he stands on this hall and now he's getting this different you know and so Man, I, I am so of, bored, but I'm already bored thinking about that concept in my know, head. I'm bored, but you don't know that. And so let me ask you this. Who's the Derek Hind of this? Like who would be the guy that you're like, yes, every year I'm looking forward to that guy. And we don't really know, but what we have seen so far, who's, who's the guy that fits the bill. And maybe it, you've mentioned him already. Maybe it's Kelly Slater. <laughs> 
Ellie Slater also has a conflict of interest. Um, yeah. In his ownership share of Slater Designs. So, I mean, honestly, that job isn't for them. Um, that job's for you and I, I feel, you know, like if you're what, for the Der- for the J- the Derek Hind analogy. You mean the job of every year being the one that does of this. writing of writing the surfboards, giving feedback on the surfboards, giving a critical analysis. Um, By the way, what about Derek Hind? Yeah, that would be fascinating. God, that'd that be would fascinating. Be Maybe that's the call. That okay, Ashton. The ultimate call. That's the ultimate. Can because he can still get it on, right? He's probably like 62 or something. I told you I surfed with him in Florida for like three days in 2019. So a couple of years ago now. And um obviously the waves weren't great. We were in New Smyrna Beach, but I mean there were waves. We surfed, you know, we got waves, but it wasn't <laughs> it, no, no. it wasn't it wasn't like yeah. where you would want to put these types of boards through their paces, but he's only riding finless boards and even still he's only riding finless boards he has plans to ride board and i shouldn't say finless he calls it friction free i Um, am about to send ashton a text right now i'm so excited about the derek hind call so there is it's a great call it's a great call derek when i don't think derek would do it i don't either but let's think about who like there's probably another one out there that we're not that we're missing that would be epic for this you know we've nailed Last time we nailed Mason Ho, we've nailed Kelly. We think that would be great. We've nailed Derek Hind. We think that might be insanely good. Derek would be fascinating, even if the waves were crappy, because Derek, just what Derek would say would be fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm having a hard time beating that about, one. Yeah, that's a hard one. But what about uh, Tom Carroll? Hmm. I, I'd be entertained by it, but I don't know if he's the best fit. Yeah. Um, I still come back to one of these red hot sort of all around longboarder types. That's on the, this Mexi log fest kind of Joel Tudor vibe. What about Joel? You would know about Joel better than I would. I think Joel would be entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this isn't about entertainment. If you're already thinking about entertainment, (laughs) but Joel would break it down. I mean, the thing about Derek and Joel is you're going to get a real historical perspective. I think they're going to put it into context of, you know, I, I can see Joel just going, oh, this board, this, they did this back in 67, blah, blah, blah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think that would be good. I think Joel might be very, I mean, I guarantee you this, we would tune in. Exactly. We, we would tune in. Suddenly someone's thinking about the business. Yes. Uh, all right. I all got right, a couple. I'm also, okay, go ahead. Well, that's enough. Kind of, that. Yeah. Segwaying off of it. Um, yeah. I've been more excited about a couple of surf video edits. This is one of them, which I'm glad you brought it up, but also lost track Atlantic episode two just dropped, I think last night or yesterday. Yeah. And, um, I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet, but all of the feedback, like I've not seen such glowing feedback on something before, usually in the comments section on stab less on stab nowadays, stab for a couple of years had a lot of, um, criticism in their feedback but on stab beach grit all of it anything that is ever posted about the work that torn martin and ishka are doing it's all positive and i and what and i don't just mean that's a good turning point for like uh surf commentary but i think that it's 
uh, shows an acceptance of writing anything, which I'm actually, which I think is a step forward for surfing is these guys are riding alternative equipment. It's not just high performance shortboards for a very long time in surfing. If you did anything other than high performance shortboard, you weren't quote unquote cool, or you didn't fit in with the cool kid group. It's like now the minority has transitioned into the majority and the majority is we want to ride boards that are easier to surf that, um, compensate for our shortcomings. Let me ride a wider variety of waves and a wider variety of conditions and actually help me get better at surfing. And I think that, and Torin's a perfect example of somebody who's, um, he could ride a, a high performance shortboard if he wanted to at an elite level, he's that talented, but he's choosing to ride a board that actually services our surfing a lot better. And he's doing it beautifully and he's doing it in like world-class waves. Yeah. Well, that's going to be fun to watch. I agree. Um, part of it, I think, is that there's so much truth and sincerity that flows out of those. Yeah. The filmmaker himself. There's shorter edits, right? They're probably like 15 minutes, which is helpful. 40, 45. The last oh, one was really? 45. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because I was going to say, me personally, when I see those overly glowing, beautiful cinematography, like, you know, cinematic, um, thoughtful shots, you know, um, it gets a little old after a while. Like I'd like it to be cut to, and, and they do that. I mean, sit on I the sofa, it. sit on the sofa and watch it. I mean, I agree with you. If I, if I'm thinking, oh, I'm just going to watch a surf edit edit in between doing these two other tasks yeah. or while I'm eating lunch, yeah. then I do need it to be snappy and I need it to hold my attention. Yeah. But for this, it is cinematic and yeah. um, it's best viewed the way that old surf videos were. Go watch it in a group. Go to, a, a, go to a screening. <laughs> with a, you're, you're viewing with wine, not with a bong. <laughs> Sit on the sofa, put it on the big screen and let it envelop you, I think right. is the best way to do it. And really because it's honestly part of it is just, it's a travel piece. You know, it's a, it's a mission and you, you really want to incorporate that into the storyline because that was the storyline. Yeah. Um, speaking of traveling and boards though, I got this listener email <laughs> that I think is actually pretty fascinating. And I would love to hear your feedback, Scott. It says, hey, Scott and David, listening to you guys talk about uh, Liberia and David's comments about sending boards to the ex-child soldiers. And it really got me thinking. I used to take extra boards with me on my travels through Indonesia in the 90s and the 2000s. I thought it was the least I could do to repay the locals for my use and enjoyment of their villages and surf breaks. Since then, however, through various conversations with local people at various places, I've come to realize that what I thought was an innocent attempt at gratitude was actually being seen sometimes as a negative gesture by the kids' parents. On one occasion in Sumbawa, I was actually asked very politely to take my boards with me by a group of parents. They told me that the local kids that got into surfing started ditching school to surf hang out with traveling surfers. And instead of helping their families at home or moving on to careers, they became social outcasts, something that Western surfing is often romanticized and something that doesn't really amount to much in emerging economies. Sharing the, quote, aloha spirit with people in poorer countries and bestowing upon them the, quote, gift of surfing also reeks a bit of a sort of white savior behavior that once brought things like alcohol, McDonald's, uh, to countries that would likely have fared better without them. Is it possible that we, in gifting our boards or branded clothing, 
and our lax cultural standards will simply be indoctrinating these Liberian child, ex-child soldiers into a new, albeit far less sinister, but yet wholly not, not wholly positive and often destructive affiliation. Yeah. Hegemony. Look it up. Hegemony. <laughs> okay. Give me five minutes. <laughs> it's, it's basically when our culture overtakes their culture. And, um, and this is an interesting email. Uh, and I think there's a lot of validity to it. Um, but it's also a case by case situation. You just can't put a blanket over it and go, all Western culture is not allowed, you know? Yep. Um, because who's to say that one of these, that surfing couldn't save the life of one of these Liberian child soldiers, like give him the same liberation and peace and um, um, at least a moment of serenity in a chaotic world that he lives, you know, every time he enters the ocean. But, and, and in Liberia, I mean, I think the situation's so dire and I don't know, but you know, it's different in Sumba or Sumbawa or wherever he said, right. Where they have, you know, a community and an infrastructure and, um, and hierarchies and ideals and cultural and community norms, which are set in and things are smooth and things, it's not like chaos with kids with guns running around shooting each other. It's like, this is the way that, Indonesian culture has been for a long time. And so for you to show up with a bong and a playboy and leave it behind with your surfboard is lame. Right. But in Liberia, we got a different situation. We think where it's like very dire. And so any, um, stimulant. Yeah. Or sense of, of an opportunity to have some serenity or some outward expression or some, something that gets you out of the chaos is probably a good thing. So it's it, each, each situation is different, right? But it was certainly Neos is a great example of, of surfers going to Neos and kind of ruining it for a little while, you know, and all of a sudden you've got brothels popping up and surfers showing up with bags of weed and Coke and, and just leave and just leave, you know, just being filthy, 22 year old surfers you know and, yeah uh, the i think you're entirely right that it is case by case and there's also um there's a responsibility on the part of the parents in this example too like dropping off a surfboard isn't inherently inherently bad you know dropping off um mcdonald's or i don't know something else i think actually is inherently bad like that actually doesn't have any nutritional value uh, whatever. But the surfboard itself, it's like, look, if that stimulant comes into the community and your kid starts ditching school, maybe you need to have a heart to heart with your kid about that and create some more structured boundaries. And there's an opportunity for growth there. Now there's an opportunity for the community to um, create new levels of kind of uh, intimacy and communication and relationships with their kids and have access to this new stimulant from the outside world that could open up new windows and doors for your community, you know? And so I think that, uh, yeah, it's case by case, but yeah, you don't, if you're, if your community is 
isolated and constantly being overrun by tourists and the, all of these tourists are dumping all of these things, then it probably is hard for the community to kind of keep up with that pace. And, you know, they obviously had a polite, com this is a good way for them to handle it is have a polite conversation with our listener. Uh, Filthy the bear is our listener. Uh, <laughs> having a polite conversation with him and just saying, hey, like we've had enough back off yeah. that that I, that's a totally reasonable way to handle it or manage it. Yeah. But I think there is also opportunities to incorporate these new stimulants into your community and um, grow from it. Is that a guitar pick? Yes. Um, have, I, have I mentioned? Um, so I'm just going to read real quick. Um, we got ISA news too. We got a couple. Yeah, I know. So hegemony is the predominance, specifically headship or, or control exercised by one state over another or others as through conquest, originally applied to such a relation often existing among the states of ancient Greece. It's more or less kind of like, yeah demanding that your culture overtake another another well culture. look uh i think filthy the bear makes a good point in that I you want too. you want to be sensitive to that white savior complex exactly. um when you're traveling the other side of that is is and you you often heard i often heard australians say this like don't leave your boards because you're going to turn this village mm -hmm. into a bunch of surfers and we don't want it to be crowded <laughs> And I've yeah. heard that. I've heard yeah. that's like the full surfers are the worst mentality. Totally. Hey, um, ISA, right? Let ISA me, I, games finished. Can I chime in my opinion here real quick? I would love to hear it. Um, American Wave Machine just opened a nice looking wave pool in Japan. And what if I told you that during the Olympics, it was going to be three to four feet all day, every day for the competition. I think you'd be ecstatic. Now I'm of the opinion and this is just my opinion. But the reason that the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, the Japan Olympic Committee, the ISA want the ocean surfing instead of a wave pool isn't necessarily the ocean. It's because organizers, they want a festival down at that beach for two weeks with yoga and acai bowls and healthy living and, of course, surfing and recycling initiatives and booths and live music. They want a full vibe down there. They wanted a surf lifestyle orgy on the beach. And oh, by the way, if there are waves during the competition, hey, that'd be great too. But really they want a groovy bitchin' festival atmosphere. So, IOC, so the IOC officials can get a feel for the beach lifestyle and have a few beers and see the competition and listen to some live music. And then all of them in unison give a robust thumbs up for surfing in the Olympics in 2024 and 2028, but we all know that none of that is going to happen. So why not have a contingency plan for using the wave pool if in fact the surf peters out? That's all I'm saying. Provide a contingency plan for the only people that are going to be there that matter, and that's the competitors. Why couldn't they do the festival atmosphere at the wave pool itself and just solve everything? Well, they can't do any of this because of COVID. Okay. I'm saying uh, if there wasn't COVID, the reasoning behind the, them it. doing this thing at the beach had nothing, had like 20% to do with the waves and 80% to do with let's give well, surfing a really good look for its first iteration. That's my, that's my point though. If the festival is 80, the festival can exist at the wave pool too. Like they could put the festival anywhere in theory. Right. So we, I don't think that's the argument for why they wanted to do it at the beach. I, I do. Think, I do. I think it is. 
I think the argument was there wasn't a wave pool in place and we weren't sure that it would uh, be there in time for the Olympics, right? So they had to make a plan and the beach was always going to be there. Yeah, I don't know. Well, look, it's weird to hear you advocating for a wave pool competition. Well, uh, well, I'm just saying as a contingency to the surf being crappy. (laughs) Yeah. Plan Um, B. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I have a hard time advocating for a wave pool competition, period. Full stop. (laughs) You know, like... And I agree with what you're saying. Like, yeah, it, if the, if the uh, options are one to two foot crappy beach break or that wave pool, I guess I would have to pick the wave pool, but um, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate that we're with the Olympics. That's a, so with the WSL, they can obviously pick any spot in the world in theory, there's limitations, but they can pick where they want the tour to run that's going to be the limitation with the Olympics moving forward is if you have to run the surf competition at the location of the Olympics, like what if it's in London, you know, what if it's in, I don't know, there's a million bad examples. Um, There's more bad examples than there are good when it comes to surfing. So that could be a problem moving forward. I'll tell you what though, you know, it's going to be insane is the 2024 Olympics at Chopu in July. Holy mackerel. Yeah. It's going to be so great. So that's a perfect, the Olympics in France run the event in French Polynesia. That may, that's a perfect solution. Yeah. So um, like even extending that, if the Olympics are in the United States of America, yeah, why not run the July Olympics? Where is it really, really good in the United States in July? Lowers, I guess. There's, I was going to try. I'm thinking Hawaii. I keep thinking, where in Hawaii is it really? No. really it's, that's too spotty. You can't depend on that as much as you can depend on on lowers. Yeah, lowers would probably be the call. Um, <clears throat> well, the ISA games itself, let's cover that yeah, for a split second. Yeah, so Sally Fitzgibbons and Joan Daru won the event. Interestingly, despite winning the event, Joan Daru does not get um, an entry into the Olympics because he surfs for France and those two spots were already sewn up by Michel Berez and, um, Jeremy Flores. Um, did you, I can go, I can read the list of the people who qualified through this event, but it's a little bit tedious. Did you see anybody on that list that you felt could be a, uh, you know, the, the workhorse kind of, guy like i was talking about resvan last week coming surfing for israel and he's the janitor who could actually upend the whole thing and out surf some of the ct pros mm-hmm. he didn't qualify but is there anybody on that list that you felt could be that story well i mean frankly if it's one to two foot onshore and there aren't ramps if it's literally three to the beach grinding joanne Daru, joanne Daru could win the thing well he's not in it Right. Jeremy Flores, no. By the way, I think Jeremy Flores and Joe Andrew are grandfathers. <laughs> they are old. <laughs> you know, I mean, who those I'm... are some old surfers for the, I bet they're the two oldest guys. I know Joe Andrew is not in it, but Joe Andrew is pretty old. I bet he's, I bet he's over 30. Yeah. He's, I'd say he's over 30. You know who I think could win this event and be that story, that Cinderella story? Um, Team Peru. <laughs> They've, <laughs> Who's their guy? I don't, I well, mean, you're, okay. not, you're not going to know the guy's names, but I've been watching these guys surf since they were kids, kind of um, 
surfing through the QS level, trying to get on the CT. And then I've seen them surfing locally here in Huntington beach, uh, recent, recently, even like, I think probably in preparation for the ISA games, um, Luca Messinas is the regular footer. And then Miguel Tudela, remember Miguel Tudela, didn't he surf the pipe event just recently? Yeah, I do. I do remember that name. Yeah. Yeah. So Miguel yeah. Tudela has been around like, yeah. and ripping like yeah. free surf edits, Luca Messinas, I've seen like, he's a very, very, uh, he suits the format of competitive surfing really well, his style of surfing. Yeah. And then if the waves are small, I think those guys actually have advantages over Michelle Perez, Jeremy Flores, Jordy Smith. Uh, uh, we got it. Look, let's just talk. Let's just cut, cut the BS and go, who can beat Gabe and Idla? Yeah. Well, let's just, I mean, let's, and you know who I think it is? It's kind of a dark horse. But it's that kid from Japan that won the U.S. Open a couple of years Hiroto ago. Ohara. That's my pick to get the gold Hiroto. medal. What a story. Well, and he's going to outshine Kanoa and be yeah, Hiroto. Japan's star. I'm a big fan of Hiroto. And I've, I've seen him surf in real life, like personally in the water with him a handful of times. And the kid is sparky. He like, won the U.S. Unbelievably. Open. Yeah, exactly. Unbelievable. Well, Kanoa did too. Kanoa's won it yeah, twice. But so they could be the I duo. Think, I think that he's he's going to fly under Kanoa's radar. Kanoa's going to be all blah, 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 you know, and, and I could see this kid taking it out and, and I'm kind of pulling for him. Yeah. Well, the other reason I was picking Peru is they've got Sofia Milanovic on their team as well on the women's side. The other female, Daniela really? Rosas, I don't know. Sofia but, Milanovic yeah. is probably a grandmother. We've got grandparents in these Olympics. <laughs> well, I'm actually hoping for those guys. And while we can, all day poo-poo or criticize the WSL's um, venue location choices, especially the year of COVID by neutralizing the greatest surfers in the world. We can't do that for the Olympics because the Olympics are kind of, they're forced to surf this venue. And this is an opportunity for um, some of these guys, like we're saying to kind of upend it. The, these are, Jordy Smith, Julian Wilson, these guys are F1 drivers. They are fine-tuned machines for the biggest, fastest, best waves on the planet. And they will absolutely trounce any of these other names that we've mentioned. But these other names we mentioned, they've been training on the go-kart track. And this race <laughs> is going to take place on the go-kart track, you know? And, and so I think that's, that's what we're going to see. Um, but shame on the WSL if they ever put the CT surfers on a go-kart track. Yeah. Hiro, what's his name? Hiro, how do you say his name? Hiroto O'Hara. Hiroto is Super Mario on the go-kart track. Exactly. Speaking of and, Julian Wilson. <laughs> go ahead. Bro. And, uh, and Canelo is Yoshi. Who's Yoshi? Dude, I, I don't know if <laughs> Mario never, that well. Dude. Then why'd just, you pick the analogy? I know Super Mario. I know he's a small Let's little Let's think about guy. Super Mario. Super Mario. Mario was an it. Italian plumber who was hooking up with a, he was hooking up with a princess. He was trying in to the hook game? up with a, yes, the princess oh. was his whole, that was the whole premise of the game. The and there was the a, princess? Yeah. And there was a dinosaur who was a king who captured her and put her in a castle and an Italian plumber was going <laughs> <laughs> like an Italian plumber thinks he has enough clout to be with a princess. It's insane. The whole thing, the whole thing's this. insane. I love this the whole, whole thing story. was an acid dream from whoever the inventor. This is perfect. I'm going to start playing. I had no idea there was this backstory. 
I think the Italian plumber at some point should have been like, look, that guy's a dinosaur and he has a castle. I better just like, I better get back to plumbing. Sort of that like princess wants nothing to do. What can I provide for her? Some sausages? Super like, Mario's um, the godfather. Meatball yes. sandwich. Um, um, when I was growing up, my dad taught uh, my Sunday school class. There was actually a main teacher whose profession it was. And then my dad would kind of help out. And the main teacher's name was Mario. So everybody called my dad Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> All the other kids. And I get my feelings hurt about it because I think my dad wasn't too keen on the nickname either. And yeah. so I'd be like, don't call my dad Luigi. Wow. How funny is that? That is interesting. Um, I've got really good More. email about the ISA games that I think hey, you'd love on. to chime in on. Oh, hold do on. we need to go to commercial? <laughs> yeah, commercials okay. are important. Commercial. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Right. Yeah. Welcome. We're back. Commercials are important, but we talk surf and we're spitting. Yeah, guy. Yeah. You said yeah, guy. Uh, so listen to this listener email regarding El Salvador, because I really think, Scott, you're going to have unique insights. It says... Ooh. After listening to your last show, uh, in particular about the ISA games, I found it quite interesting when I also heard on the very same day, this Bitcoin news uh, on this other podcast, the podcast he linked to it, it's called The Breakdown. He mm -hmm. says, in short, it states that the president of El Salvador has put his full support behind making Bitcoin legal tender in his country. He welcomes with open arms citizens from all countries to move to El Salvador as they pay no property tax, no capital gains tax on Bitcoin, and also makes special mention of the great surfing opportunities in the country. I've never been, but I hear the waves can be great. If this country is becoming more safe and crypto friendly, will this inspire Bitcoin holding surfers from around the world to move there or at least spend more vacation time there? I'd love to hear your thoughts, Dave in Australia. Yeah, well, I'm a big fan of both El Salvador and Bitcoin. And um, that's interesting. You know, I did see that, that the El Salvador president was, was all about Bitcoin. And I, I'm not a, you know, economist or a financial guru. So don't take anything I have to say with uh, 
anything but a raised eyebrow regarding this stuff. But, um, you know, I, I, what does that say? What does that mean to their fiat currency that's already there? I don't know what it is. Is it, I think it I might be either. the peso. Um, they might have their own version of the peso, but um, let me see if I can pull it up. But I kind of don't know what to say other than, wow, that's interesting. And El Salvador's killer. I guess if the question is from Steve is, will Dave. Bitcoin loving Dave, excuse me, Dave, is it Dave? Dave in Australia. Dave in Australia. Oh, is this our friend Dave from Marubra? No, I don't think so. Um, is is this going to move the needle regarding surfers going to El Salvador that hold Bitcoin that are going to like, you know, use some of their or, earnings? Or, I, I mean, that's part of it. I think to me, it's more interesting of is, does this move the needle for Bitcoin? Like, what does this do to Bitcoin's price? Like a country's, um, you know, full-fledged support of it as a stable currency and something that they want to transition towards. What does that do to Bitcoin? Or if their own currency is uh, in jeopardy, does it actually uh, hurt Bitcoin's price? You know. Uh, well, it's look. It would have already moved the needle. This news and yeah. Bitcoin's been down um, quite a bit, which is so normal. Are you, are you are you buying? You it's buying a good time to buy. It's a good time. It's a good time to buy buy the dip. I am buying let me, let me a little bit of Bitcoin. I'm buying more of other stuff, but I mean, I bought Bitcoin pretty cheap, so. Even the dip, it's hard to buy the dip when it's still expensive relative to how much you paid for it earlier. But I do That's think- That's what that, I was going to ask you is it, yeah. it looks like a dip based on the last, let's say two months performance, but maybe it's yeah. just actually coming back down to its natural level or to where it actually reasonably should be, you know, because it's still well, astronomical. That, if you follow Bitcoin um, from a historical perspective, this is totally normal. It- it kind of, you know, it goes like this and then it takes a big jump up and then comes back to like still a 300% gain from what it was. So this is just a normal sort of retrenching. And I think you'll see Bitcoin make another move probably north of a hundred thousand and then probably stabilize at like 60 or 70. Um, you, you might recall Bitcoin moved to 30 and then came back and stabilized at like 15 or 20 or whatever it was. Then it moved to 60 and it stabilized at 35, which is where it's at now. It's going to move, I think, to 100 and then stabilize at 70. It's going to move to 150 and stabilize at 100. That's kind of what it does. So this six, is a good time to buy. Six months ago, I was asking you, what does retirement look like for you? And you're trying to, you're like hemming and hawing. Maybe El Salvador living off your Bitcoin <laughs> <laughs> royalties. El Salvador is a pretty gnarly country. It's, it's... Don't say that. I got negative. Last week, somebody sent me such a long DM like, how dare you? El Salvador is amazing. And I think they live in El Salvador. Um, well, El Salvador but yeah, they were amazing. not happy. Yeah, they were not happy with the way that I talked about their surfing. Oh, well. Or, or the waves, I guess, the quality of the waves. You know, look, there's... There are institutions in El Salvador which aren't the, the greatest, like many third world countries. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there's some sketchy stuff. You're not going to be retiring there at the end of the day, ultimately. I mean, let's put it this way. You're going to want to be able to get the hell out of there really quick. You can retire there if you have a private jet that can jet you the hell out of there. 
Um, would you consider retiring in Lemoore, Scott? No, but I would consider retiring in, in inland, you know, off of the coast. Uh, surf ranch is our next event on the CT and there's four female surfers that will not be showing up and Sally Fitzgibbons is among them. And she's a title contender right now. Tyler Wright is another one Bronte. Uh, and then there's an unconfirmed fourth and I don't, yeah, I'm not sure why they're unconfirmed, but Julian Wilson is also out on the men's side. A lot of this seems to be COVID related. Um, Nobody's explicitly stated the reason for, but it's, you know, COVID constrictions um, in Australia are so tight that for the Australian surface kind of leaving the country and then trying to get back in, they'd be spending a lot of time away from family. Well, no, it's getting back in, getting back into Australia is a 14 day quarantine in a hotel. And so you got to figure right before the Olympics, do I want to fly to the U.S.? All you need is a negative COVID test here if you're flying from Australia. But going back, and so that tells you that, okay, I've got to go from the United States and I have two options. I go to straight to Japan and quarantine or I go straight home, quarantine for two weeks, then go to Japan and quarantine. And, and I'm assuming that they're making athletes and the staff that visit the Olympics quarantine I'm not sure. I don't know anything about it. I can probably sure, Google yeah. it and look. I bet it's right there on the internet. Do you have to go to Japan and just show a negative test? Or do you have to go to Japan and quarantine for two weeks? Yeah. I'm not positive. But I do know that if you fly to Lemoore from Australia, surf in the event, and fly back home prior to the Olympics, which is probably what you would want to do. You want a home stay before you go to Japan. You have to spend two weeks in a quarantine hotel in Australia. So They're saying, let's just override that. Let's stay home. Let's gear up for Japan at home, get geeked up, bring my full A game to Japan without having to quarantine in two different places. Um, This is problematic for me for the WSL. Um, And I'm wondering if Kelly Slater shows up. We haven't heard that injury update yet, but if Kelly's out, if John John's out, if Kaloe's out, if Julian Wilson's out, and then on the women's side, you have at least two title contenders that are out. I mean, this really just becomes an exhibition event, you know? I, I mean, obviously we, the, we kind of all would have predicted that Gabriel Medina is going to win the thing anyways, but there are still a lot of other point, uh, second through five essentially for the world title uh, are all still important. There's a lot of points to be had here. And so, um, yeah, this is problematic for me. I'm reading now that they are being exempted from their athletes that travel to Japan do not have to do a 14 day quarantine. They're being exempted, but everybody else has to. That's weird. Yeah. That's a weird that is weird. Policy. That just tells you that they're just like, what do we do? I don't know. Just, you know what? Olympics must go on. Just exempt any health requirements for those athletes. <laughs> um. Any thoughts on Surf Ranch? Will you? Oh, by the way, the wild cards for the men's side go to Nat Young and Michael Dunphy. Um, Not shaking I, his head. I'm just, you know, um, I see that they do have an end section at the at at Lemoore. They've added an, an aerial end section to the wave. I haven't seen that. I saw that on Philippe Toledo's Instagram. At the very end of that right, after you come out of the tube on that last end barrel section they've added a crumble that comes at you 
And was is this Felipe a new clip doing, that he posted? Yeah, I think it was two two clips ago. I saw it. I saw it yesterday. But what I mean is, uh, is the footage new? I I assumed that it was him practicing. Okay, because um, there was footage of like Albie Layer and Josh Kerr surfing it a couple years ago, where they were just like created that experimental section on the wave, but they weren't actually implementing it. I'm just saying that they've got there's footage of a, the ski driver going, "Hey, this is going to be the end." barrel section let's watch felipe and they watch felipe do the whole wave and then they go here it comes and he busts in air at the end as a crumble okay. comes at him interesting yeah i just looked up his instagram and it's not on there so maybe somebody Second else posted one. the clip of him oh you know what it might have been in a story it was oh, okay. on a story yeah um <clears throat> it's interesting not i mean the wild card are, are you going to be watching the event no yeah i know i know All i mean right, i might watch on. Some moving on <laughs> But I agree with you. I mean, look, I love Nat Young. I, I root for Nat Young. I know. Um, but I would have rather given it to um, our friend, Mr. Uh, what's the young kid's name from Waco? Cruz? Yeah, Cruz Denofa, the 11-year-old. Just, just give it to him. Um, this is kind of a, a disaster. I mean, this event is kind of a disaster. Or it's a circus, actually, is what it is. Would you uh, did see you... Josh Kerr get the wild card? Who'd you rather watch? Um, Nat Young I mean, or Josh not Kerr? really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of those two, I suppose. Yeah. Josh Kerr. I've been watching Nat Young on Instagram recently, and he is yes. absolutely shredding. No, but absolutely. I, yeah, we we've gone over this a million times. So does Ace Bucking. Would yeah. you rather see Mason Ho or Nat Young? Yes. Yes, Mason. Um. So moving on from that, did you? We've only got five minutes. Scott's got a hard out at eight a.m. Yes. Did you listen to Dana White at all on the yes. uh, Stab podcast? What'd you think? Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was Dana White being Dana White. You know, I think How he's very think calculated. Okay, go ahead. I, I knew that he was stirring it up. You know, he's just stirring up this show that's going to be on ABC. He's an executive producer or whatever, co-producer. Yeah. What's the show called again? It's at Lamore. It's called the Ultimate uh, Surfer. The ultimate surfer. So he's in bed with Kelly. They're doing this thing together. And Dana White's doing what he does best, which is basically stir it up, man. And he stirred it up. And a lot of surfers fell for the bait. I So I don't know. I, I read it um, a little more earnestly than that. And I think it, to me, it read as, God, we've got all of these indicators of um, – all the writing on the wall of like surfing is becoming this circus that will not service anybody's goals. Like it won't service the WSL's goal of growing the audience. It won't service our goals of wanting to see the best surfer surf in, you know, the best waves in the world. And so why do they keep making these moves? And it's because they think that it actually will grow the audience. And when I heard Dana White say what Dana White said, I just realized, oh my God, not only has the writing been on the wall, they're really going all in in this direction that will not grow the audience one iota. And it'll actually become a laughing stock to all of the core audience and also to the people who are viewing it from the outside. So it's actually going to be a bastardization of the thing. Um, and and I, I got all of that just from the way that Dana White was interpreting what our sport is and how it's going to be a broadcast to the world 
I would not be surprised if in five years there's pro surfing over here run by a totally different entity and there's the ultimate surfer over here run by something that was formerly known as the WSL and Dana White and and those things are just they have nothing to do with each other. I see what you're saying. I don't know that that second one that you, that either of them are even financially viable. You know, like well, pro surfing is going to exist on some level, and it might yeah. be. So that's over there, right. and over here is is this wildly successful show. I don't think it is. That's a thing. Oh, that's a thing. Either. I don't think it is. There'll be different iterations of some reality shows trying yeah. to kind of do it, like there's always been, but the way that they're talking about it and promote, or it's just like, well, you guys miss the plot entirely. I think they which did is it kind of purpose. funny. I don't think they did dude. And I think you and I have talked about it. Mainly me saying the UFC is kind of the best model to follow for uh, surfing, but they subtly and significantly missed the point. You know, it wasn't saying, Oh, we need the surfers in the ring pounding each other. Like this doesn't, it was in the way the, what they missed was in the way that the W or the uh, UFC has never steered away from the core of their sport. The core of their sport is pugilistic and brutal. And there was a million network executives along the way telling them, Hey, there should be less blood. And then we could put this on ABC. And the UFC said, F you if without the blood, there is no thing. And so we're only going to do this thing. And through doing that thing, they grew the core audience into this massive audience. And it's become, I think he said it was like valued at $7 billion. And I remember when that thing was $400 million in debt when I was growing up trying to watch it. So that's what surfing needs to look at. And it's not, oh, we're going to put these people in a wave pool to fight it out. It's the central tenet here is man versus nature. And so that's what we're going to always lean into man versus nature. UFC always lean into pugilism. WSL always lean into man versus nature. And every step is like, no, let's run them in beach breaks. Let's run it. Let's get more of them. Let's get lesser. Let's put them on the go-kart track. Let's put them in a wave pool, all of that. So that's where I'm think, thinking they're missing the plot. Yeah. I don't think that they're, I think that they see it as two different things. There's this thing over here called WSL Entertainment. Let's try a bunch of different stuff. There's this thing over here called the tour. I don't think they're trying to marry these two things. Even though this show over here, they say they're going to put one guy on the CT. Nobody cares. Everyone knows that guy's not going to do anything. It's just, it's just, well, it's then if you have that, if you have that diffused of a kind of goal as an organization, like how do you execute any of it? And none of I, it is proven to be, none of it is proven to be viable. I agree. I, I, I would suggest to you, it would not surprise me if the ultimate surfer is way more successful fiscally than the pro tour. I'd be surprised if we ever saw a second season of it. You're watching, bro. You're watching. You're going to have a watch party at your house. <laughs> um, I know you got to go. Uh, I got a listener email that says, Hey, David, I'm always curious about and enjoy the music that you guys play at the end of Spit. I loved the Neil Young the other day. I put you and I were talking about being old men. So I yeah. put the obvious selection for the end of right. that one. He goes, Check out. He goes, I've been a Neil Young fan my entire life, but only recently have I found his song on the beach. Oh my um, God. 
And it's, it's a bold claim, but it's better than old man or all the other top songs that you've already heard. Anyways, just wondering if you've heard it, if not, you'll dig it. This is from Eric Ross. He owns South coast furniture in San Clemente. Cool. Um, yeah. Great family. Well, fans. Furniture you know what I there. love is there's, do you know album. that song? Oh yeah. Okay. There's a, there's a, um, Neil Young album that came out in, I don't know, the late eighties, maybe it's called ragged glory. Super good. Neil Young and Crazy Horse. I love it. You can tell the bitching thing about Neil Young with Crazy Horse is that they go up to his recording studio on some barn somewhere in Seattle or wherever. They just plug the thing in, they push record, and they just start jamming. And it's so underproduced. It's awesome. And uh, there's there's quite a few really great songs on Ragged Glory. So that's an, a CD or an album, if you will that you should check out. It's really good. When you're, when you're that talented, less production is more. Yeah. Get out of the way. Yeah. Um, my Duke of the week is Coco Ho. She fell off tour. And to be honest, I think she is hitting the Zenith of her surfing ability while she's off tour. Uh, she seems to be happier. She seems to be doing the things that she wants to do. And her surfing is better than it's ever been. And she actually got the wild card into surf ranch. And I think that she might get her best result in some time uh, because she's just living her best life and surfing better than she ever has. I agree with you. She's got to be free flowing and relaxed. And that's always crucial to doing well in heats is just being relaxed. And she's got that going for her. So I would love it if she won that event. That'd be cool. And tomorrow night, I will be watching um, the premiere of the Electric Acid Surfboard Test Episode 1. But tonight, I'll be watching my must-see moment on the sofa, which is Lost Track Atlantic Episode 2. No, no, no. Tonight's yes. must-see moment is the Islanders versus the Bruins in the NHL playoffs. Come on. Weak. <laughs> I'll be sitting with Torin and Isha, <laughs> the three of us, in... Uh in quiet commune being yeah, jealous of the lifestyle of, that they lead glass of wine unkempt hair <laughs> okay well look i gotta go you gotta go so until next week adios and aloha people